I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. It's that time of the year. The All Blacks team got named on Monday and we love to talk about who is in and out of All Blacks teams. The mentions, the comments on YouTube go nuts, never would do it. <laughs> James Parsons back in this week again to chat a little bit of footy and down in Christchurch. Bryn Hall, who is preparing for a Super Rugby final, which, you know, is normally front and centre early in a week in final week. But goodness me, we've got an All Blacks team out, Brynna. Pretty exciting stuff. Oh, it is, mate. Um, you know, it's probably the best time of the year for a lot of those men that were, um, that were selected. And even, you know, the likes of Lester Whanganuku from the Crusaders. It was a great moment to be able to watch the team naming in, in the squad. Um, probably the first time I've, I've, an All Blacks team has been named during Super Rugby. And so, you know, being able to see faces like that have been able to um, celebrate moments like that. Um, it was awesome. You know, I can imagine there were six debutants as well. So it would have been a probably similar, a familiar fear, um, feeling in that Blues environment. And then obviously the boys that have done Mad Monday, Chiefs, you know, Peter Big, uh, Big Peter Gus Sawakula. So hopefully his hangover is not too bad and he can get into camp pretty shortly. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Like you obviously have uh, Whainga Nuku in. Um, as a debutant, and then you've got George Bridge, who's been in and around that squad for quite a long time now. Both play a similar position. There's a chance that it was one against the other to get into this team. Um, how do you guys handle that as a team when you're sitting together watching this announcement? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a unique situation, to be honest, because you're so happy for, uh, for guys that are, that are deserving of that spot, but then you've also got to cater into the boys that are, that are disappointed. And so... Um, yeah, I think it's more so you do celebrate and it's like, you know, it's like an acknowledgement and a, and a clap. We're all watching it together on the TV. Um, and you obviously acknowledge that when they are selected, but then also have a pretty good understanding that, um, you know, some boys will be disappointed and it's also getting around them. And, um, you know, those boys did really well. You know, I thought there were a couple of guys that um, could have been in and, in and around there, uh, but obviously didn't make it. But you know, they had their chins right up. And um, I guess the best thing is that they're able to go out and play in a final. And been able to kind of get over those disappointment, get over that disappointment. Sorry, and you know, look forward to something pretty uh, a massive occasion in Auckland. Having uh, had a little bit of experience of being dropped myself, <laughs> you get a, you get a phone call a little bit earlier than the announcement, so you, they, they'll probably would have known and yeah. would have had the ability to prepare themselves um, for you know any any new caps. You get your head around it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as Bryn says, like it's yeah. normally not in the me- middle of a season, you know. So um, it, it's pretty unique in that sense. I think you had a similar one last year, Bryn, um, with the Māori and Quinn. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was exactly. We were um, in that in that Māori environment, and then um, the All Black squads got named. And Quinn had just been named for the Māori, so you know, didn't he wasn't expecting it at all. And then I think the coaches knew, like Clates and 
Um, and Roger actually knew that he was going to make the team. And so the Cameron was actually on him and seeing his reaction. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I said, you know, been able to be in that environment with Quinn and the Maldives and then um, some boys that have made it this year and the Crusaders. Um, it's great to be able to celebrate their achievements and, um, you know, you get to see the glints in their eye when, you know, when your name's caught in. Um, it's a great feeling. That's an epic poker play, that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Just... <laughs> Just play it, play it down, play it down. Yeah, yeah. put him in an entire hotel room that he yeah. doesn't need to be in. Fly him to a place he shouldn't be, and yeah. then, <laughs> then select him and put him on another plane. I wonder if it was the, uh, an 11th hour, but I suppose because the Māori's got it named earlier, they had to name him because it would have been weird if he hadn't. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, sticking to the traditions of finding out on, on live when yeah. everyone else does, which is quite cool, I think. So, I mean, we are over 24 hours after this team's name, but let's just sum it up quickly. Aidan Ross, Falau Thakatava, Stephen Perifeta, Roger Tuivasa Shek, Lester Fying Anuku, and Peter Gus Sawakula, the six new All Blacks. So, if we're looking at quick fire, let's get it going. Which inclusion surprised you the most? Um, probably Big Carl. Um, having, you know, he came out and sort of said that he was off to France um, at the end of the season. Um, unless he's linking up with another Super Rugby franchise. Um, but the Blues obviously put that out there. So um, to me, it probably says um, they want to see bigger minutes from the guys that are probably going through the World Cup and Hodgman and, and De Groot. And they really want some someone that can scrum. You know, it, like that's his biggest strength. So they're obviously wanting to be really direct in this, this Irish series and, and set the platform in that, that set piece area. Mm. Who surprised you, Brenner? Um, probably, probably Peter Gus, to be honest. And that's not to say that his form isn't warranted of it. Like, I thought he was outstanding and he said his best year for the Chiefs. But just the depth, the amount of depth that they have in that position, you know, Shannon Frizzell, a season All Black, you know, probably sent an incumbent six, you know, not too long ago. And injury probably dampened him, um, you know, the last 12 months in a kid up and able to really take that jersey. So, um, yeah, Peter Gus was probably, um, was probably the guy that I thought um, was a little bit surprising, but very, very deserving. He's had a great year for the Chiefs, uh, but it's just like I said, there's so much depth in that position that I thought that he might miss out just due to the fact that there's so many players that have played for the All Blacks. If there's two areas that you're not going to be able to rest on your laurels, it's probably Lucy and halfback, isn't it? Like, um, you, you just, there's so much depth. Um, yeah, I, I sort of agree, Bryn, in the sense, you know, you think Jacobson misses out. Um, you know, Bryn um, has spoken in depth about Cullen Grace as well. Um, but I think what Peter Gust gives is he is different and he is something that the Irish hasn't, haven't seen. So how they utilise him um, and what he can offer is quite a lot different to the other players that have been selected and or missed out. Can you expand on that? I just think he's, he's, a, he's a big ball carrier. He's a much heavier body. And, and you know we sort of spoke about it earlier in the year around if we use the French eight as an example. It's about just getting across that gain line, having someone that is always going to challenge defenders. And if he doesn't get across the gain line, it's probably going to take two to stop him. Not saying the other guys can't, but that's what we've seen um, out of Pitagas. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can do it at a test match level. Shannon Frizzell, they said, hasn't had enough game time. Now, for me, if I look at, you know, the loose forward options, and I think out-and-out out hard man, out-and-out out six, that, you know, we know that approach wins in Test Rugby. Has he suffered due to the fact that maybe he hasn't brought his best in Test Rugby in comparison to what we've seen in Super Rugby? And they're looking elsewhere to see what other options there are? No, I don't think so. Um, but man, he was playing so well before that injury. Like, we were talking about form mm. teams. He was in week in, week out. So... No, I don't think so, and, and I, I don't think he's had 
um, the run of games through injuries at test match level as well. So um, as I say, I think that Lucy position, um, that doesn't mean that's set in stone for you know, the next 18 months. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be hotly contested. I was just going to say on that as well, Ross, like, you know, those positions, there's always injuries. Mm-hmm. And there's always injuries that always happen. So um, he'll get to be, go back and play for the Tasman Marco, who you know, are probably going to have a, a pretty good team um, this year. But, yeah, he'll get an opportunity to be able to get some, some, some rugby back under his belt. And, look, that's only, this is only the first part of the series with the Irish squad being named. There's also the uh, rugby championship that's coming up. You know, he could be, he could be um, selected in that team. But, um, you know, him being back to go play a bit of rugby, get some confidence. They know what they're going to get with Shannon. You know, so he's a proven, um, he's a proven guy in that squad and at an international level. So get back, play some club, um, some rugby with uh, Tasman Markle, and then there might be some injuries where he can come in in a uh, later part of the year. Will we see Peter Gus at six and not eight? Because if you're looking at the way he brings that point of difference and you're going to have Sam Kane, who's named captain, and Adi Savia, who's arguably your best player, if you look at those, that combination there, you know, it's either got to be Peter Gus or it's got to be Akira starting with them. Do you look at mixing Artie and Sam Kane up at six and seven and running Peter Gus at eight, or do you run Artie at eight? How does this work? Not, not too sure. Um, he probably fits the, the mould exactly like Akira in terms of that six eight, mm. and it, you know probably predominantly a six because they're both bigger bodies, but have the ability to play eight. So potentially one of them starts and one is the Lucy option on the bench because of the ability to, and then it's how you then use Artie because you got, you may need that seven cover as well. So um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure mm. uh, around it, but you'd have to think they've picked him because they want to use him. Um, so so he's probably either in the six or the um, you know, 19 jersey. And then there's Dalton, who we've been talking about as a loose forward bench option because he can play six, seven, eight. What does the naming of three big six, eights mean for the way that they look at how Dalton could be used on the bench, Brent? Um, it's, yeah, it's a really good question, I think. Um, you know, but I think with the form that, that Dalton has had, you know, he's obviously, the, you know, I'd argue you'd say him and Sam Kane are pretty equal around their ability and their form um, with how Dalton's been playing. But, um, yeah, it does open up some interesting things around thinking that Dalton could play 6, 7, 8 and having that versatility on the bench. But, um, yeah, they've gone, if you think about, it, you know, Peter Gus, Hoss and Artie, they'd probably be seen as number eights, you know. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they go how that selection process happens if they see Dalton as an out-and-out seven or we have the ability to be able to have that um, versatility role of covering all positions you know, and being selected. And I think the reason why they've gone for six instead of seven is Tupo Va'i playing so well, yeah. either lock yeah. or six. Um, so, you know, that does provide you even more cover um, in terms of that 23 makeup and and how they may mix that up. And it's given them the option to give more time to Josh Lord and continue to develop him as an option, whereas probably I don't know whether necessarily on form you would have gone, oh, he's definitely in All Blacks lock this year. Yeah, but I think he he's made every post a winner and he keeps showing improvement. Mm. So he, has, he hasn't stalled, you know, he's still improved, but the expectation has been lifted. Yeah. So in terms of his game trajectory, it's going in the right direction, which, you know, for them um, is important going into 2023. Talking about game trajectory, Alex Holtzman, yeah, I mean, you talked a little bit about Carl Tuinukuafe before. He's kept Carl Tuinukuafe on the bench and has been quite good for the Blues this year, and he's not there. Yeah, I mean, Carl had a really um, big injury to come back from, so he had a bit of a slow start, but I agree with you. Alex has been phenomenal, and even if you use the game the other night, 
a lot of those breakdown turnovers was from his work, you know, busting through, um, you know, the Brumbies sort of ceiling and, and coming out the other side and, and getting the ball in crucial moments in defence for the Blues. So, as I say, I think maybe they're, they're looking at seeing those boys go head to head and, um, you know, NPC and, um, and maybe coming out the other side. Also understanding, similar to the Lucys, is it's, 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 you know, a big position of injury. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean they're out of the thinking, but um, I, I don't know. Like Carl's biggest strength is scrummaging, and that all that it says to me is they know that the Irish are going to come to try and win collisions and, and dominate that set piece. So he, you're insured of scrum ball, and you're assured of putting pressure on the opposition if he's playing. The scrum time super sub. Uh, yeah, or, or even you know, uh, inject at the start of the game and then bringing fresh legs. Uh, you know, once there's there's tiring legs of others. It's quite interesting considering, like, when you think as far back as 2019, they were walking away from that. They didn't. They wanted their props to be Bryn all-rounders, ball-carrying around the field. And, and here we have a guy who's probably not renowned for that being brought into the squad ahead of guys who probably are. Yeah, it is, but I think, you know, parity at set-piece time is really important. Yes, it's, a, you know, it's important to be able to have that kind of ability to be able to have the skill set and to be able to play with the ball in hand. Like, you look at... We've talked about a lot with the Island team and their ability to be able to um, play with ball at, right at the line and their skill set. But, you know, when it comes to scrummaging, there's no better strip. You've scrummaged with Big Carl. You've gone up against them as well. Um, you know, there's probably no better better scrummager in the country when it comes to that kind of set piece, set piece work at scrum time. So, um, but it is interesting as well, you know, with with, Hodge, with Alex Hodgman, who you could probably say was a bit unlucky due to the fact that he's been starting over Big Carl. And he was pretty influential in that in that game with his ruck ruck turnover game. Um, he hasn't just been doing it for the Brumbies game; he's been doing it through throughout the whole year. So, um, but again, it's important winning your set piece parity and scrum time is probably with the selection of Big Carl. Um, they're going to see is probably a massive area where they think they need to take on Ireland um, for this series. It wouldn't be fair not to talk about Aiden Ross right now because he obviously is seen as good at that. Yeah, well, I think that's why we're talking about Carl because Aiden Ross should be there. Do you know what I mean? Like he has mm. played so well for 24 months, and I think that's mm. a big thing. Is backing seasons up? We spoke about Leicester. It's the same for him. I think mm. Stevie Perifera falls in that um, category as well. Um, you know, Rogers, Roger. Like I think you want to get him in there, and and, and I think Peter Gus and Falau are the same. Like they actually have played really good footy for long periods of time and are worthy of the selection. And I suppose that's probably why Aiden hasn't come up because everyone's just like, yeah, he should be there and, you know, how good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about Falau then, Bryn. This is your area of expertise. Aaron Smith, you know, obviously a, a shoe-in. Finlay Christie being in tremendous form. Falau Fakataba. What do you take out of these three guys being in the team? What does that mean for their approach? Well, you know, well, with Falau, we, we, we've talked about Finn and his form, but I think Falau just brings something completely different. Um, look, we know that TJ's had a massive part, a massive part in that kind of super sub role with him being able to influence games when when him and Aaron Smith have been, um, you know, been in tandem. But we did, we've talked about a lot how um, how much X factor you have and you can, and can you can win a game. And I think, you know, probably moving forward, it's going to be moving forward to the 2023 World Cup and getting him in the squad now being able to mould him and get an understanding of like what it is to be at this test level and knowing that in 2023, to be able to win a game, have a have a, a guy that can change the game and win a game in the last 20 minutes with how he is as a player, um, it's going to be invaluable. You look at you know the likes of Will Jordan, you look at him as him as a player. Anytime he gets the ball in hand, he has the opportunity to be able to break open the game and win you a game. So I think Falau has those same, um, those same traits and abilities. 
but just being able to nurture him and no doubt the All Blacks will be able to do that in the environment, nurture him around, continue to keep working on that game management and understanding big pressure games. But he brings something completely different. And, um, you know, he's, like Jip said, it hasn't just been this year. It's been his time at Hawke's Bay. He had a massive scene at season around um, when playing with Hawke's Bay. And then also before he got injured with his ACL last year, uh, being influential and, you know, whether him or Aaron started, it didn't matter just with the fact of how well he was playing last year as well. He doesn't start, and it's very rare for a halfback who doesn't start to be named in the All Blacks. You know, we, I can't remember the last time in a regular All Black squad, not an expanded squad, you know, where they've got two teams playing because there's a lot going on, like 2015 when they went to Samoa or in 2018 where they went to Tokyo and they had like a 50-man squad. Having two guys from the same outfit, Aaron Smith and Flau Fakataba, is a very rare thing to do. Um, so to be able to impress in such short periods to the point where being selected is kind of impressive. Yeah, it is, but we have seen him perform as a starter for the Highlanders and Hawke's Bay. Mm. So that's where I think, you know, they've seen that, they've witnessed it, whereas this year he's come off his injury and, you know, hit the ground running pretty well off the bench. Um, and, and I suppose the biggest thing that they'll want to know is can they put him on against the Irish and, and that... The first few weeks of training will be key in him you know, pushing his case because of his ability to have a point of difference mm. and that one-two punch being shown um, so well throughout the, the Super Rugby campaign, then you know, he, he is an opportunity to get in that 23 more often than not because of his, his different skill set, I suppose. So if, if you're Brad or TJ, guys have been in and around that squad for quite a long time, especially TJ in there for a long, long time, Bryn, what do you take out of this? You know, there's a, a Māori team obviously to play Ireland, but you know, what do you take out of seeing a sudden change in the face of the the ranking order of halfbacks? Yeah, I think Chip alluded to it last week. Um, it's probably no good for me, Ross. Actually, those two boys <laughs> missed on uh, the All Blacks. But um, what it does do, um, like Chip said a couple of weeks ago, they're going to get an opportunity to be able to play against an Ireland team. You know, and so, um, you know, I'm not too sure with TJ. I did see that he's in a bit of a knee brace. So whether he will be selected or not, I'm not, I'm not too sure. But, you know, I think there's still opportunities for them to be able to prove themselves um, in their Irish series. And then they can go back and play what, uh, Bunnings NPC and still can, you know, be able to get some form. Not not even just form, but able to play freely and go back into that squad. And and knowing if there's an injury, um, you know, Fozzie and them and their coaching selectors, they know what they're going to get with those two players, you know, so... You don't lose class just for not being selected. I know those boys are competitive. They're competitive boys, especially TJ and, and Brad as well. They'll go back with that refresh. Um, they'll be disappointed because, you know, especially TJ, he's been there for what, almost a decade. Um, but through injury, he's had a couple of injuries in that. And I know him that he'll be wanting to go back to that Wellington Lions side and been able to really help them. And then, you know, if he's okay to be able to play um, for the Maldives, I know that he'll really enjoy that because he's talked about it a lot. He's never played for them. And so when you can get a calibre of player like that playing um, into that environment, you know, it'll be great for him and, um, you know, like, likewise with Brad as well. No good for me though, lads. That's, uh, <laughs> I, want them, I want the Maldives team to win. I want them to win. So um, hopefully, you know, if they're we'll see what happens. Yeah, look, I sort of, if you look at their careers, it's not the first time they've faced adversity, um, especially mm. Brad. You know, he, he wanted to be on that jersey so bad that, you know, he's knocked back many an offer to stay here. So he'll fight and so will TJ. Uh, TJ is one of the most competitive men, even if you're just throwing rubbish into the mm. bin. So it, it's all on. Yeah, did you beat him at that? Probably not. I can't remember. <laughs> Head knocks. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I, I think it is. It's. I don't think that's settled, said and done, and I think the Lucy's is the same. Not that any position is, but those two areas, are, the competition is, is not not going away. Mm. And, and it is going to challenge the selectors for, for the next 18 months, I'd say. That's really good. Yeah, it's great for, great for us. And it, I was even thinking that when I was reading through it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, man, you think about all these players that are left off. That means we're, you know, after last year, we've probably got distracted away, you know, probably a little bit on edge as fans of the All Blacks. But it's like when you look at the squad, then you think who's missed out. It, you know, you almost need to take a breath and go, man, we're at home against the Irish. We've never won here. We've got to actually, you know, start getting our chest out and, and understanding, you know, I think Plumtree mentioned it in um, his interview with Kirsty Stanway is, you know, we've got a legacy to uphold and the next few weeks we, we're going to go about our business to make sure that we hit the ground running. And when I heard that, I was like, man, that, it's exciting for the players he's got um, in front of him to set that platform for what's out the back. It's an interesting mindset considering we're playing the Irish. Playing Ireland at home very rarely, I think, would legacy have been a conversation that the general public would have had about what the All Blacks team will do against the Irish at home. 100%. But, man, they're that good. Um, you know, and and they're, they're you know, evolving their game at pace in terms of you know, the way they play and, and the speed that they play at. Um, and what they do defensively, they keep turning up for each other. So they have been, um, you know, a benchmark at home for a long time. Now the big challenge for them is coming here and trying to do it away, um, which will be should be a big job. And if you're in that All Black environment, Chip, like how exciting, you know, how oh, exciting yeah. for an Irish for an Irish team to come down here. You know, you probably like to think the last time, a couple of times, last five times we've played them. Um, they've beaten us, was it three times, Chip? Yeah. Last five times they've played us. You know, so um, as an all-black all black player, all-black team, you know, not very rarely do we feel like we're at the underdogs. And so, you know, whether they are the underdogs, they're obviously in their Northern Hemisphere phase and so, like, very similar to when we go over there on a long season. But I can imagine, you know, Farrell and that group, they'll be seen as a really great opportunity to create history in New Zealand. And so uh, they won't be overawed by that occasion, knowing that they've had the success against the all-blacks. Uh, but what I, you know, what the All Black Sixers have done is, you know, they've been able to see something a little bit different you know, with the likes of Falau and, you know, the likes of Leicester. They're not afraid to be able to change things just to get a result for 2023. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that Ireland series um, because, you know, that Irish team, you'd have to say them in France, you'd like to think that they're probably one two combination in the world on the top of the um, IRB rankings. It's when you said underdogs, it, it, you know, as professional sports people, that you love to grab hold of the underdog status oh, because it's almost, king of it. yeah, but it's almost a challenge. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a challenge to yourself saying someone doesn't think you're mm. the best. And you, you know, you saw that Michael Jordan documentary, and he said he used to make things up in his own head that people had said about him just to make himself, you know, on edge and make sure that his preparation was the best so he could go out and score sixty points or whatever. And and I think it's going to be interesting to see how the teams claim that. You know, is Ireland going to claim it because yes. they think they're coming away from home or are the All Blacks going to utilise it as a massive motivating piece to go 3-0? Um, and I think that'll be um, interesting to watch unfold you know, publicly in, in terms of how um, players and, and coaches sort of phrase, phrase their answers. The really cool example of that was during the 1-39 through 39 Highlanders docker that we had on Sky um, last week. And Jamie Joseph, when they're leading into that 2015 final and all his players are receiving these messages saying... Um, no, no matter what happens tonight, 
I still love you, you've done amazing, blah, blah, blah. And he turns around to his team and says, you think you're going to lose. They don't believe in you either. <laughs> and then, and then off they go. You know? so and I was good. like, oh, wow, that is such a cool mind game. Like, yeah. You want to get you guys fired up. Tell them that your mum doesn't believe but in it you. But it's so true, though. Like, it does, it just ignites something in you. Um, and that's, you know, that's why the Blues are underdogs this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> And Jip, just I want to make this very, very clear. I did not text you. I did not text you to say that I'm looking forward to going up to the Blues. Mate, you did. Clear. You text our group chat. You, te- no, you text you our group chat, mate. I didn't text you individually. Right. Send me up. It could be a bulletin, mate. I want to be a bulletin mate, up in that. Um, hey, mate, camp, mate. You, you sent a text going, we're excited by the challenge. Yeah. And that's all I said. You, you are. I can just tell how it's being framed down there. It's like, <laughs> they don't think we can do it. He'll be doing the Jamie Joe on them. Hey, do you want me to screen grab the text and put it up on social media, or are you going to come clean? <laughs> are you going to come clean? Hey, mate, uh, it's a, a very private group. Yeah. Nothing's private these days, mate. All I, you know, to be fair, I was saying, like, that's a hell of a mindset that you guys have t- taken, or you individually is it's not about, oh, we're going away from home. It's like, look at the challenge we've got. Mm. And I think that's going to be the same for this series, is it's both sides in, in Ireland and the All Blacks have got different internal challenges. Um, and, it, and it'll play a big part in the way they you know, sort of direct their energies. So why don't we talk about these semifinals then? You guys had your backs against the wall. It's not <coughs> the first time we've seen you win like that. But, wow, the possession, the territory... The approach from the Chiefs, who couldn't quite get it over the line, but more so the just the bloody mindedness that you had. What was that like to be in? Oh, to be honest, boys, it was you know probably one of the better um, victories to be a part of. It, if I'm being honest, um, you know there were a lot of stats actually around the tackle stats and that, and you know we actually like you know John Gardner, our analysis does a really good job around that. And it was actually we attempted almost 300 tackles, we attempted 293 tackles, and we actually made 263. So um, it just the conditions really um, were really bad, Ross. Look, the um, it's probably the worst conditions that I've ever played in in the game. Actually, the wind was just howling, and actually not playing with playing without the ball was actually probably um, probably the best thing. You know, we won the toss. Actually, oh, we quite a funny story in that semi final. Um, the Chiefs won the toss, and they um, decided not to choose until maybe fifteen minutes before we went out. So we had no idea. So we knew that we lost the toss, obviously, when they were wanting it, and uh, we were presuming that they were going to go. Um, with the win the first half, but they decided to go into the into the win. And so, um, you know, you probably would have seen in that first half, we kicked the ball a lot and uh, played down in their position. And then, um, you know, we were able to, probably two crucial moments in the game was, I think, you know, they had a scrum, six resets in the, I think when Quintipire was off, they had six resets and were able to stop that with a knock. I think um, Quintipire knocks the ball on and then Seba Reese kicks it down uh, the field and we end up scoring off that. And so that was a big moment in the game. And, um, being able to hold on with you know, 14 men uh, for 30 minutes of that of that game as well was um, a real defensive effort for us. And you know, discipline is going to be massive for us moving forward in the Blues. But um, defensively, I don't think I've seen a, a more impressive outing for us as a group. Um, it was a great feeling to be able to be part of that after the game, knowing that um, you'd actually given absolutely everything defensively to try and nullify and, and stop the chase. And you know, we were able to do that. It, it certainly looked like that. You know, in terms of that skill execution, like it, it, you probably couldn't see it on TV as well as Bryn just you know, articulated it but if you use um, a couple of times the Chiefs just couldn't finish with that last pass and 
you can't see all the dew and everything on TV and you're like, geez, that was a bit dusty. Mm. Um, or the big loop passes to the edge. You can see they almost held up a little bit and, and that's when you know there's a good, um, decent breeze. And I thought that was a big difference, just not being able to capitalise on those um, those moments. And, and as Bryn said, and it's always such a hard one when you're, you know, the Chiefs were on attack, on attack, and then to go down the other end, have a scrum and then score, um, you know, that quickly when you've been, you know, it can can dampen it. But man, any team that tackles, like everyone's sort of speaking about Richie Moanga from an attacking point of view, but you watch his effort to get to mm-hmm. Quinn when Quinn, you know, passes that ball out. You know, it, it would have been easy for him to not put the afterburners on there, and he just scrags him enough to to allow that error. There was another time he did a try saving tackle across, uh, coming across. Um, you know, so there were just massive efforts from their big big players on D that just you know was, was outstanding to watch and to be near 300 bloody tackles and tackle at 90% it's, a, it's outstanding It felt like the way that you tackled made the Chiefs not just stop believing in themselves but kind of just run out of ideas based on the fact that no idea worked because you guys were everywhere when you needed to be yeah, I think we've talked about it a lot. Um, you know, defense wins championships in, in, in these kind of big games, and you know those efforts that that Jib was talking about are really, really crucial. Um, and you know, it's not even just you know those efforts; it's efforts that are unseen that you know don't even come up on TV. But you know, if you continue to keep doing those, and that's your mindset to be able to do that every single time, you know, good things tend to happen. And so, you know, you know the Chiefs had three times. You know, they had three opportunities. You know, that they probably just missed out on. I talked around the scrum resets. You know, Quinn's pass over the top, and then also Peter Gus with that knock-on, a little that little knock-on early part of the game. Um, it just came down to a few moments, and so you look if they score those tries, the Chiefs, they're probably you know, thinking back now that they probably let that game go with how many opportunities that they did have. Uh, but you know, for us, I think a big thing moving forward with the Blues is that they're a different beast. You know, if we're going to do 300 odd tackles and attempt that, then you know we're probably going to go for a different result with how well their offload game is and the ability to be able to play with that lightning quick ball. Uh, we won't be able to get the same results if we continue to do that. So, um, yeah, we've got to be able to get our discipline right because in these games you can't afford to play with um, 14 men for 30 minutes that we did on the weekend. I'm not sure if it's lost for ideas either. I think the conditions plays a bit. Like, because the conditions are so bad, they had to be direct. But it was more probably they're like, man, why are there no bodies getting sucked away so that they create space? But when Bryn was just talking then, I was thinking, yeah, well, they actually did create the space. They just couldn't get that last mm-hmm. pass. So I mean the game was there in the balance, and and they threw everything at it. It was it was just the execution and those um, conditions that you know let them down. It was exhausting to watch. It was great to watch, <laughs> wasn't it? It was yeah. like man, it was hell to scale. Even though there were no points in that second half, it didn't feel like that. It felt like it was just mm. you know continuously uh, you know thirty men looking to bash each other, which was you know it's entertaining. You make 300 tackles almost. I'm presuming that that means you've got to lighten up your workload this week because that's a big toll. Yeah, well, it's pretty much these finals weeks are pretty much different. You know, you're not going to get fitter or stronger in, in one week. And so, you know, with that being a little bit more less um, with time on the field, those conversations that you can have individually around your preparation and having those conversations of what the week looks like and what that positional, u- positional unit might be able to talk about because we're not on the field as much, so... Um, yeah, it's been able to get that prep right, and um, we've got our prep really well against the Chiefs, knowing what that challenge was. And um, you know, for us, like I've said, um, it's going to be a great challenge for us going against the Blues side that 
um, and deserve it to have that home final. You know, they've played well throughout the whole year through the form team, if you think about it, finishing first in the competition. And so um, and it will be a little, little bit more of a lighter weekend, more so getting your mental, getting your mental space right. There must be some NRL tackle numbers in there for some of those guys. <laughs> oh, easy, easy. Yeah. They'd be tackling like dummy halves. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no, no, no doubting that. Um, but yeah, you know, like, like Bryn does say with the home final, um, you know, I do think you will have to acknowledge that there's a lot of players in that Crusaders team know what that week needs to look like because mm. they've had a lot of success over a number of years, and I do think that is a you know, a real plus because controlling the the excitement and the energy and yeah I, I totally agree that the Trans-Tasman um, is a title but this is now the game that everyone wants I think both teams want it I think all the fans want it so making sure that that emotional energy doesn't drain you mm. um, will be key in, in terms of the Blues prep this week. Looking at the stats, so the Crusaders have won 10 Super Rugby titles, two Super Rugby Aotearoa titles, but probably just import, as importantly, they've been four-time runner-ups. Mm. So there's been some lessons learned there that other teams just have never had the chance to learn because they haven't been through that body of work before. So Bryn, you must have seen the evolution of the approach to the final change over time while you've been there. What have been some of the key lessons learned for the Crusaders to get to the point where you are now, or I think you've won five finals in a row? Um, it's a good question. I think for me personally, like, you know, I probably wasn't there for the experience of, of those losses. You know, you look at probably, um, I think probably maybe Sam Whitelock is possibly the only one, and Joe Moody were there for the losses around the Waratahs and the Reds when they made the finals and, and lost, and even the Chiefs' examples of losing in the semifinals. So it is good to still have those experiences from those boys like Sam and Joe to be able to give us an expertise around, like, you know, it's not, it's not always winning titles, you know, probably a lot of our younger guys have been have been used to that, you know, which is great, but um, still having those guys that have been through those experiences of losing big games and I guess taking what it takes for that week and Jip, you're right, I think, you know, having the experience of knowing what that looks like for us, it's been able to give, you know, those that information and understanding about this what a week's going to look like and trying to best prepare them and um, giving them you know, key, key words or key messages throughout the week around that to help them. But, um, you know, it's a final, it's a one-off. Um, and it comes really, to, I hate to say it, but it, it's true, um, you know, little moments, um, but, you know, win these games. And, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough that we've been through those experiences. I've been in a couple of finals. Uh, but again, it's, it's a new year. It's a new team. We're not, we're not the same team from 2017, 2019. This is the 2022 um, team. And it's our opportunity to be able to go up there and um, create a bit of history for ourselves for this group this year. I think there's four key members in the Blues club at the moment that that can help them get this right as well and you know Tom Coventry had a lot of his success at the Chiefs um, so he'll know what what's needed what buttons to push and how to crank it up I think Luke Romano and I'm not even trying to make a joke or <laughs> have a have a have a um, crack but like he's obviously experienced winning titles and probably losing Bryn he would have been there um, he was probably in, yep. as well so he's he's got that I think Leon McDonald's obviously coached down there he's won down there he's lost you know, in terms of that as well, and I think Bodie, uh, you talk about the Highlanders documentary. Mm. Well, he, he'll he'll know the difference between 15 and 16, and and I think it's key because they're all key sort of leaders in the squad, and and hopefully will give confidence to the others a, around what is needed and ha, and how to get them there, right on the edge, so that you know they are winning the moments um, that matter so much. 
in, in the final. That Blues game, Bryn, you, you obviously watched it very closely. Uh, I don't know if you've watched it a couple of times to go back and see even more about it. What did you take out of that game um, from a Blues perspective that you were, one, impressed by and two, maybe thought, OK, here, here are some holes that we could hit? <laughs> some holes that we can hit. Um, That's not a good Good try, though. Their scrum was very impressive. Um, you know, with Nepo Lolala coming in, and you know, whether it be Ufu or Nepo starting, and even Alex Hodgman, who's been great this year, and, and Big Carl, you know, their scrum was massive in that in that um, in that game. So we know how how strong they are at set piece wise when it comes to their scrum. Um, so I think you know, if they can have a continuation of that, no doubt they'll be seeing that as a, a massive strength of theirs and something that they can use in, in the game. And then um, I saw, also thought their kicking game, you know, the likes of Stephen Perifetta and his general play kicking, I thought was, um, was really good in those conditions. And so not too sure what it's like. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In Auckland, I can imagine it's four seasons in, in one day in Auckland, as it is. But um, you know, having the ability to be able to kick with Stephen Perifetta and then Bowden Barrett, um, the, the contestable games and kicking general play kicking that he has, and you know, F- Finlay Christie can do that as well. Um, but they didn't do that a lot on the weekend, but they can go to that game if they need to. And so, um, and then lastly, I think the offload game—it's been their biggest strength throughout the whole year. Um, they've been able to get over teams, been able to uh, put teams under a lot of pressure, and you saw that in the Brumbies in that probably first 15 minutes before Kurt Eklund's Sinvin. Um, the ability to be able to play on top of teams is, is a big part of their game. So uh, they've got the ball athletes, they've got the ability to be able to win those rucks. They do it uh, consistently. You know, I look at Mark Talia's try, Jip. Um, that was a great try, and that pretty much symbolised everything really around the Blues how they're playing this year. And if they can, you know, if they can get that, um, they're a tough team, tough team to play. So, and can um, yeah. c- can I just say, like, the courage to throw those passes, like the conditions were so poor. Like it was dewy, it was torrential rain, then it wasn't. It did not make it easy to play that game. And like when you saw that first half, you were almost stunned that they pulled it off. Mm. Um, mm. And, and, you know, talk about desperation and efforts in D. You know, the, the Brumbies more got them in the end, but when it mattered and where the game turned was probably that first mall. And then, you know, the Blues go to the other end and score. And that just, you know, puts mm. a puts a dampener on, on things for the Brumbies. And, and you sort of saw the Brumbies feel the pressure in that first half throwing not straight. It's like they've had a really strong line out all season. So all those sort of things. But, man, you've got to give them credit because they gave nothing in that second half. And um, I think the two key stats for both teams is, you know, the team that misses the least amount of tackles but also stops the offload um, and not let teams get in behind them will probably come out the victors. Um, as well as the execution, like it's a risk versus reward. Uh, it will be dewy. It's already colder here today in Auckland, 
and it and it's that risk versus reward of that decision to give that offload and um, you know if it you could come off and be a hero but you could also give an opportunity to the opposition so it's just those fine margins in that decision making that second half where the blues kind of went off the boil or they certainly didn't dominate the way that they did through the back half of the first half what in that do they need to work on oh, i just think the piggybacking penalties like especially against the brumbies and teams like the crusaders like they love malls like you get them in the 22 they'll most of the time come away with points like saw that the other night, the Chiefs are camped down there, camped down there, Crusaders take an entry, boom, they mm. get across the line. So it's, it's, that, that's all that changed. You know, there's the two yellow cards, but also there are a number of other penalties and turnovers that allowed them to piggyback up the field into that 22. So that'll be a key area. That's where I mean those turnovers conceded. Mm. needs to be a massive focus. And just taking half a step or you know, just being a little bit more focus on your, your tackle height um, during this week will be key. Twitter absolutely blew up. Um, you talk about penalties, ruck and maul time, turnover ball. Luke Ramo appeared to be go over the ball. You know, the Brumbies fans, Australians, people in New Zealand as well were like, that should have been a penalty. I looked at that and I thought, well, that's pretty difficult from my perspective for a number of reasons. One, I thought the Brumbies tackler didn't roll away. Could have been a penalty there. Then there was the opportunity that maybe the ball hadn't been released by Romano, could have been a penalty there. Then Hoskins Satudu came in from the side, could have been a penalty there. Like it, it is one of those scenarios that makes rugby both brilliant and awful I, at the same time. I think the key is there sh probably should have been a penalty at that ruck. To somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, like, <laughs> the, the, but um, yeah, there wasn't. I mean, I'm interested in Bryn's take, to be honest, because I was at the ground and I, I was focused on where the ball is and I was like, Man, he's on that. Mm. Like, I definitely thought the Brumbies guy was on it, um, and it, and he was on the ball. Um, how did you see it, Bryn? Yeah, um, it's a tough one. I think, and I hate to say this, but it's true. If you have the home advantage and you're hearing and you're at a home stadium, I think it plays a factor. I think if that's in Canberra, that's a penalty. But the fact that it's at Eden Park, I just think you put the you put the whistle away, and I think that's what the case was. I think it didn't want a call, didn't want to be made. It could have gone either way. You could have been the Brumbies could have been penalised, or the Blues could have been penalised. Um, but you know, for the sake of probably not, you know, making a call to, to judge the game and being able to say, look, um, you know, there's been a penalty awarded on the 80th minute, and probably there would have been a bit of probably a bit of media pressure around what that decision would have been made. Um, so it I could think, have gone either way. But, I think either way yeah. he was stuffed in terms yeah. of media. He was bugging either way. Yes. Yeah. It was either, yeah, it's bugging either way because you've got to go on either way with the penalty for the Brumbies or the Blues, and you've left it a let it let it play out. Um, but I think if you're the Brumbies as well, um, you, you still had opportunities to win those games. Yes, it's an isolated situation where um, that could have won the game, but you know they could have also won the game, you know, before that 79th minute, letting it get to that stage. But um, yeah, at the same time, I think the their coach actually brought up a really good point around you know let the players um, play out the game, and you know, that's what he said coming into this week that the there was like the 46 players that are going to be involved in this final. Let them make the decision and let them um, be the guys that um, yeah, take care of the result, not the refs. That's really hard, isn't it? Because depending on who you support, you know, <laughs> it's either the refs let them play out the game or the refs start the game. Sorry. At the same, at the yeah. same time, Ross, like, they're, they're humans, man. You know, mm. refs are humans, you know. So no different from us players. We make mistakes, you know, a yellow card or a red card or a knock-on, you know, 
we take accountability and it's our, it's our fault around that. And, you know, the refs are no different. And it's unfortunate that, um, you know, it's seen as that every single call they have to get right. But, you know, they're humans. And, you know, Beno keeps a great, a great ref, you know. So, um, yeah, he'll be better for that experience, no doubt. Is it a little bit ironic, though, that one hand in the press conference, he's saying, let the players play it out, and then he's wanting yeah. the penalty? Yeah. Like, it's sort of like, what? which way are we going here? Here's an yeah. example, and I'll just like, sorry, sorry, Jip, just I'll cross it to you around this, like, um, Choate's tackle, you know? Is that, is that a red card or a yellow card? Because well, we looked at the... Well, I've got an answer for that. I've got an answer for that, because Richard Kahui got a red card, and then it was downgraded. He went to the judiciary. It was downgraded to a yellow. Yeah. So Choate was exactly the same. So the precedent had been set that that was a yellow earlier in the season. So that was, you know, Ben had no choice. That was the position, the stance that had been made. Coming, coming back to your point there, Ross, though, we talk about Super Rugby and that being, you know, taking Richard Kahu's example. If that's in the Northern Hemisphere, that's a red card. Yeah. You know, so... It's really a red card. So the different, you know, the difference between Super Rugby and you know international rugby and different refs in different hemispheres, you are right. It's it's completely different. And so, like as a viewer, you know, the the, the Brumbies coach said, like, you know, if we can't get it right as rugby players and we don't even know, and coaches that are involved in the game, how are the viewers going to know the difference between a red and a yellow card? It's difficult. It's difficult. You kind of, I know it's nice to try rules and it's try, nice to do things in different competitions, but what we really need is one very simple set of rules that everyone has to stick to. But mm. correct me if I'm wrong, like as a player, if it was consistent throughout the 80 minutes, I didn't have a problem with it. Do you know what I mean? Like if it was consistent, if it, if it was good enough to be pinged in the first minute, it has to be good enough to be pinged in the 79th. And mm. going from game to game or comp to comp, like you're going to be prepared. The best teams have the ability to adjust. The, quick, the team that adjusts the quickest to the ref on the night normally wins. So there is an element that that's your point of difference. Mm. That's your team's point of That's part of your skill set is your ability to adjust. So there's two trains of thoughts. Um, and, it's, it, and it's not like it's just a now problem. It's always been you know, throughout our game since it started. But the, the players that always reacted and adjusted and knew to push the boundaries early, worked out where that boundary was, adjusted. And we know, we all know, I'm pretty sure, that if you go near the head, you will get a card of some sort. And it's very clear what the mitigating circumstances are. So I, I, I do see, you know, that is very, un, like in terms of the Super Rugby competition, like I understand that. Mm. And I'm sure you do as well, Brent. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you, you you almost you've been educated throughout the start of there, knowing that if you get your technique right and you get anywhere around the head, whether it be your face, shoulder, or whatever, you've got to prepare yourself to have a red card. Whether there is mitigating factors, if you're lucky enough to have a mitigating factor, but you don't get your technique right, you're going to put yourself under pressure at having a red card. And so, you know, moving forward to the finals phase, you know, you want to be able to make sure you get that right, and you'd like to think that. You know, through the duration of the year and the moments and the kind of coaching and the technique that you've done throughout the whole year, that can set you up to be able to not get yourself in a position where you have to, the rest unfortunately, have to give, make a decision where you almost, you know, you put your team at a disadvantage playing with 13 or 14 men. Well, I'm now sure. we're trying to move to safety as well. So doing it safely mm-hmm. and, and making sure that players, you know, for now and into the future, you know, can enter fields, you know, get the good and, and the beauty of the game of rugby out of it. 
mm. and you know have long lives afterwards. Not end up with dementia or whatever it might be at the very end. I mean, that is the positive out of it, I suppose, and that's probably the most important thing. But and the other people, positive yeah. is people are talking about it. Yeah, so they're talking about rugby. <laughs> that's the great thing. That's true, and they're talking about rugby a lot because we've got an All Blacks team and because we've got an outstanding final coming up. One of the things about this final is that on the weekend we saw class come to the absolute fore. We saw Bowden Barrett play like an absolute demon. We saw the same thing from Richie Moore. These two guys, at the perfect time of the year, are being the people that we know that they are, and it's going to be exciting to watch. Well, I spoke about Richie's efforts defensively. Man, Bodie put in some massive defensive efforts as well. There was one try-saving cover tackle he made, um, you know, put his body on the line. Um, they, they, look, I, I had a bit of a, you know, people say sit on the fence, don't have, you know, the ticket to, to pick it. But I couldn't split them on the weekend, man. They were both world-class. Like, it was, yeah. it was a clinic um, in, in both individual performances. You must have enjoyed it, Brent. Yeah, it was, and I, I was exactly the same in, in my Form 15. I, I couldn't have picked them. Um, they're both influential in, in our teams, you know, whether it be the, the Crusaders or the Blues, in big moments in games, whether it be defensively kicking or running with the ball, um, they're influencing the game. And so um, as a viewer, you know, forever there will be that discussion around Richie or Bowie, who, who are you going to choose, but how good is it that you get to see them in a in a final stage to be able to go up against each other? It's, you know, all in well being able to play and win the round robin or even sometimes in a semi-final, but... You know, the top two teams are playing against each other, and they're probably the you know the top two players in New Zealand, arguably, are playing against each other. So, um, as a as a viewer, if that's not going to get you a bum on a seat at Eden Park, mm. um, I don't know what will. In a game of grey areas, this is another one. Is that battle the key to winning and losing this game? No, oh, I, it's one up front. It is. <laughs> oh, I genuinely believe that. Like, yeah, if yeah. you're not given the platform, it, it, we've seen it time and time again. You cannot play going backwards. Like that, that type five battle is going to be huge. Like the Lucy battle as well, but I think the type five, you know, the, the Crusaders are forever known for stealing line out ball. You know, the Blues have been a really strong scrumming outfit this season. So that there, and then the smarts and the wits to adjust to whoever the referee is at the breakdown, um, you know, that, that's what puts you in the position. I, I think both those guys, correct me if I'm wrong, Bryn, would say, They'll thank that pack after every game when they play well because yeah. they'll know without it, without the little effort areas, without the good cleans that clean so deep that three guys can't get around, that creates the space for them to, yes, inject their speed. But it doesn't happen unless it gets done in, in those business areas. Jeez, Bryn, the, the risk and reward Tom Robinson line-out steal on the weekend was oh. a hell of a call, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was, the player of the, it was one of the players of the games. And I think, you know, I look at it, what I was really impressed with is that, you know, they talked about in the post-match trip, I think Tom Robinson, he was with you in the post-match, and they talked around, um, they'd prepped that, they'd seen that. And so, you know, they knew that, the, I said, no, it was Hoskins, sorry, not, not, not Tom, it was Hoskins. And they talked about, they knew that they saw those pitches throughout the game and they've done, obviously done the prep. And so, you know, you probably think it was a bit of a risky move if they don't get it right, but you know, the level of preparation, I can imagine, you know, Luke Romano was at the forefront of that, being able to, give them the cues around what they're looking for in situation. It doesn't matter if it's the first 73rd minute, um, they'll be able to back themselves with that decision-making process that they um, that they did. And Tom Robinson was a huge play for them, massive. Biggest lesson to hookers out there is never assume that they're not going up because so often you see when you, you think that they're not, they'll, they'll underthrow it just to make sure it's dead set safe. Um, so um, 
Yeah, it was a massive play, ballsy play, because if he doesn't get it and they get that mall set, even when they were standing down, it was hard to stop. Then yeah. it would have been impossible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing was, and I texted you during the game about it, Hoskins the tutu. That was a line-out throw. Oh. Hey, you, you hear you hear guys all the time, yeah, can I come over and throw? But, man, he, he made it. Um, there's, there's one thing doing it at training, but if there was ever a guy, like, he goes... We sort of spoke about it, but you know, everyone was sort of looking around at the time. He goes, "Yeah, I'll do it," and it's just classic Hoskins that he has the ability to just go bang it out. But he's got a hell of a skill set, so it's no surprise. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I, I texted you about it, just basically saying, well, "Why don't we have taller line-out throwers?" You know, as the, I know obviously we'd end up getting rid of the hookers. We'd have a bunch of <laughs> like six foot five front rowers, left, right, and centre. But it seemed like a good idea. If you're higher up then that dart is going more directly to somebody else. Bryn's quite less tall. In the air. Bryn's quite tall. Oh, yeah, Bryn, Bryn. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, that's probably a good chance for my line-out throw to be shown, actually. You know, it just shows oh. that you shouldn't have a half-pick to an issue to Hoskins to do it. The ribs that were on that ball, Jim, oh, geez, it looked like a good... No, up, but up. he is a freakish athlete in terms of skill set. Like, you put him on a basketball court, you put him on an American football, uh, football, yeah, He'll he'll stand out. Mm. I saw him dunking on the news the other yeah, day. He's, yeah. he's just a super freak, mate. Like, yeah. it, it's anything you know with a ball, he'll he'll back himself to to get it done, and that's why he's so good as a rugby player. It was bloody impressive, and it's the kind of thing in a semi-final. Five meters out as well. It's not like it was like middle of the halfway. It's, yeah. it's like quite a crunch throw. It was, and and that is something that a champion has made off right yeah. there. But yeah. it's also you got to give credit to the lineout caller to call the right option. Mm. that it makes it achievable. Yeah, it was always going to the front, wasn't it? Oh, it was there or thereabouts, had to be. <laughs> or they went for the bold thing going, we, they won't think we're going Out the back. back. <laughs> but that, that would be a big call. Yeah, it would be a massive call. OK, why do we get into our Super Rugby Dream Teams? Um, look, as ever, get onto rugbypass.com, put in your Super Rugby Dream Team, and if you get closest to the selection of everybody, you can win a subscription to Rugby Pass. This week, the winner is William Cavallo. Guys, tell me that out of this all-black selection here, the majority of your dream team is in Ian Foster's side. Um, no, not looking at it. Oh, we've got some selection, selection issues there, don't we? <laughs> no, it's just form team, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's not form over the whole year. Um, do you want me to start or you go, Bryn? I always start. You go, Bryn. Yeah, get in there. Oh, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I'll start off. I went with uh, Adam Ross. Adam Ross uh, went with uh, Tokiaho. I think he had like 28 carries and was like second or third highest run meters in the game. So um, his engine was unbelievable on the weekend. I thought also Brady McAllister chip came on really well and um, he had some massive influences for us. But I've gone Tokiaho. When Nepolo Lala was big around the, the four scrum penalties for the Blues in that um, first probably 60 minutes. I've gone Scott Barrett for his effort against um, the Chiefs. I've gone Tom, Rob Tom Robinson, who we've just talked about. When Akira. Tom Christie, who made 31 tackles. I went for him to be able to, to put him at seven. I went, I went, actually went Cullen Grace. I thought he was massive for us. Two tries and um, some really big contact areas as well. Um, I went Finlay Christie. I went Bodie and Richie. I couldn't pick between them. I've gone both of them. I've gone AJ Lamb and Mark Talia on the wings. And I've gone Simone Reeks in the midfield. And I went for uh, Stephen Perifetta for fullback. Strong. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, six, not in the All Blacks. Including Simone, oh, <laughs> but he's not really available. Yeah, um, right. I went. I went same front row. Agreed. I thought McAllister was huge in crucial moments. You know, I know he's new on the scene, but um, you know, to stand up and deliver 
he he was good, but Takiyaho was just wow. Um, La 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 best game of the season. Uh, massive, not only at scrum time, around the field, um, defensively was huge. So he he was great, and Aiden Ross has just continues that form. Uh, went Tom Tom Robinson as well, um, and Tupo Vai. I thought he was he was strong um, in in that Chiefs game. I, I couldn't um, split Grace and Hoss Hoskins, so I went Cullen Grace at six, and I put Hoskins to two to at eight with Luke Jacobson at seven. I, I thought he was awesome. Some of his cleans around the corner and just his little um, you know unseen effort areas were massive, um, and 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 he is unlucky to miss out on the ABs. Finlay Christie, I went Richie Bodie as well, just too hard to call. Um, but I think both Bryn and I would admit, like, if we were forced to call, um, he'd probably pick Richie and I'd probably pick Bodie just because <laughs> that's the way we always do it. Um, Simone at 12, uh, Rico Yuani at 13, um, AJ Lamb, um, one wing. I went Sevu Reese on the other ring purely because of tapping that ball out of um, Peter Gus's hands but for, the, for that try. Like, just some of those efforts and desperations to put yourself in that position to maybe get a finger on it. and I, uh, that's just it, it just seems like Sevu always has the ability to pop up where he's most needed. Um, he has a knack for that. I thought he was great. Um, and I, I went Will Jordan um, at 15. I think both him and, and Stevie Perifetta had massive moments on D, um, on attack, um, but I just thought he, he, he just got, got the edge on Stevie. Strong team. I like to hear Jacobson as ever within that <laughs> side. Uh, you know, when you think of Jacobson and obviously Todd Blackadder who's injured, geez, there's some people waiting, waiting yeah, in the wings there. Massive. Um, uh, that's why I say, like, I, I, this is the first squad of the year. Um, yeah. There may be injuries, we hope not, um, but there's also form dips and, um, you know, so forth. So it's, it's definitely a watch here's, sorry, space. Here's one thing I wanted to ask you. If we're talking about the Lucy's, we've talked about it a lot. If Ethan Blackadder is not injured, does Peter Gus make it? Wow, you'd have to think he's a total different player to Ethan, so someone else is going to miss out. That's how I would see it, because they're not the same player. You don't have the ability, if he's playing a lot of seven, to really get rid of any of the guys who are the seven options, like Kane is the captain, Papali'i is incredible at the moment and Adi Savia is an absolute shoe and it makes it very difficult if that's the mindset to to fit him into the squad but if he was available is there a chance that maybe Josh Lord doesn't make it potentially and they get rid they of they go for seven seven players yeah not too sure Brian it's a good question um that only Fozzy Foxy and Plumtree will know. <laughs> well, if they could have a podcast like yeah. this each week, they have the All Black selectors sitting yeah. around just having the selection yeah. conversation. It would be an absolute killing podcast. Everyone would be tuning oh, in week by week. The All Black selection from last week on the table. I, I have to feel that he'll be there because he is—he's different. Like you have to, it would just be the makeup, like you say, potentially elsewhere. <sighs> yeah, it's difficult. There's been lots of selections this week. Obviously, the international season coming up. Uh, we have the Wallabies selection, Suliasi Vunivalu, one of six uncapped players in the squad. Fraser McWright, Reese Hodge are big omissions. Um, anything that you agree, disagree with there, Bryn, and what they've done? Um, no, I thought it was, was pretty pretty spot on, I thought. Um, you know, I look at Swain. Sorry, I look at Philip, you know, for the Melbourne Rebels, who... You know, I probably I had a lot of words and loved uh, the Melbourne Rebels. I ended, ended up loving the back end of the comp, but 
you know, he was rewarded for for a really good season uh, with the Melbourne Rebels. And you know, look at Reese Hodge, you know, a pretty um, a pretty incumbent Wallaby that has been there for a while, along with along with the likes of Tamua. But you know, they've done really well. I think you know, it'll be interesting to see who they stick the fullback. You know, whether that's Pattaya, they must see Pattaya as, as a fullback along with Banks, um, because you know they've only selected you know four four wingers that four wingers. So. Um, yeah, but Mick, Mick Wright probably would be the only one that I thought um, for the Reds. I they thought could he potenti- was um, pretty up there. They could potentially play two pivot option as well at 10-15. Uh, um, mm. But yeah, it will be. It will certainly be interesting. I, I really liked um, the Jed Holloway selection. Man, he's had a good season um, and, and definitely deserves it. Um, and, and I'm excited for Vunivolo because you just know his skill set is suited to the highest of the highest levels. Um, and if he can find some form on the back of a you know a, a strong pat, he he's that point of difference. He's the unknown. You won't have much tape on him. You know, like he does create a lot of opportunity for the Wallabies against you know what is going to be a huge Test match series. Mm, mm. Um, the Springboks as well. Jagni Nabba, Rasi Erasmus, whoever runs that show, has uh, put together a 43-man squad for the entire season. That's an unusual play, I suppose. Um, I'm sure that they'll dip into a more than that if they need to along the way. The big name missing, and it is a big name, Dwayne Vermeulen. I looked through their Lucy's though, like you wouldn't disagree with them. Um, and, you know, he has a lot of experience, um, but I, I found it hard when, when going through that in current form to find, um, you know, who you're going to leave out, sort of similar to the issue we're having here at, at Lucy's. Um, the one thing that always, you know, sticks in the back of my mind is that key turnover uh, that the Springboks got last year against the All Blacks to, you know, piggyback themselves down the field to then win. Um, he he has that ability um, of bringing his best at Test match level, which which would surprise me that they don't think that's still there. <sighs> Were but, you surprised by that, Bryn? Oh, yeah, I was, because, look, he's been a, a tremendous performer for them. And I think, like you said, Jip, around, around the breakdown area, he's, he's so hard to move. He's such a big man. Um, and then on the contact side, look, we don't need to talk about how physical and he is around the contact side. But, um, you know, Quokka Smith is, is there as well. Um, you know, he's obviously been selected and um, has really has had some great form in, in Japan. And so, um, yeah, but, look, anytime you can leave out a guy like that, it's, um, it's tough to see because like, he's, he's a proven performer. And he, when it comes to their breakdown area, um, he's he's lethal. It's a hell of a squad, though. Like, mm. going through the whole mm. thing, I was like, wow. Um, like, because sometimes you just sort of do not forget about the players, but we're so fixated on New Zealand Aussie now and, and the Pacifica. So it's like, I'm reading through those names, and I'm, like, I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of talent in there, um, a lot of exciting um, talent for them to work with, and, and gets me... Um, looking forward to that rugby championship and just thinking, man, it, it's, you know, if these series are anything to live by, what the hype that's going to go into that rugby championship is is going to be huge. So I think also, um, I just want to probably commend the, the Super Rugby sides that have previously, mm. you know, the Bulls being able to beat Leinster, Leinster and the kind of um, transformation they've made in the last 12 months, you know, probably when they first went over there. Um, the level of play that they had, they were losing all of those games. But now, you know, you think they've been able to play at a pretty high level against those teams in Europe, and they're you know playing in a in a final, you know, both South Africa teams. So, um, 
it's going to be interesting to see what their style of play is going to be like when we do get a chance to play them. Because you're right, we don't get to see the South African teams and the way they play in the Super Rugby anymore. So um, it'll be interesting and, I guess, a great challenge again for those all-black boys not playing the South African boys a lot um, and then coming into the Rugby Championship and seeing if they have that hybrid style of being able to play rugby or having the Northern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere style as well. And I think what those sides have shown is that they can play in both types of um, mm. weather conditions because they've had to travel you know, over um, to, to Ireland and wherever else and it's like you know, found, under, found ways to win under those wet conditions but also we're so accustomed to going there at you know, 35 degrees at 2 in the afternoon um, and, and they mm. can dominate those. So I think for their growth and their ability to win in multiple um, ways will be massive for them heading into this international season and there is a taste of new flavour out of those successful sides getting into the final. It's probably saved Jagnina for a lot of time as well because if you've got players playing and you select internationally in Super Rugby, in Europe, in you know, yeah. just Japan, everywhere, he would have had to watch a lot of footy. A lot of code. Well, him and his other coaches. Um, but he, he'd definitely be wanting to be across most of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and I think a lot of the selections will be based on what they've delivered at test match level before and maybe he doesn't need to monitor their form as much um, versus what new talent's coming through their system and pathways is probably where he spent most of his time. Mm-hmm. It'll be good to see them later in the year, Bryn. We've got two test matches in South Africa between the All Blacks and the Springboks, one after the next. That's going to be a good couple of weeks to see where this all sits. Oh, it is. And playing in South Africa... Um, is completely different and I can only imagine what it's like playing in front of fans as well um, for a lot of those you know there's a lot of experienced All Blacks that have been in the environment but a lot of those new All Blacks um, haven't had a taste of that so um, you know what an occasion to be able to go back to, to South Africa and play you know a domestic their domestic sides have been really performing well in the, in the Northern Hemisphere and um, they've played well again uh, against us as well so um, we've got the Islands you've got the Island Series guys We've got the South Africans coming up. Mm. Mate, what a window before the World Cup in 2023. Well, what does it say about the URC, the um, United Rugby Championship, that the South African teams have gone over there and are dominating now considering their struggles, bar the Lions in recent times in Super Rugby, Brent? Well, I just think it just shows the, you know, the kind of, um, you just learn on the run. And so, like, it's been able to understand different conditions. You know, when you're playing in Super Rugby, you're playing against Australia and New Zealand teams. And, you know, predominantly for the first half of their competition, it's in sunny conditions, pretty similar to, to South Africa. But, you know, getting experience of playing in different um, climates, different um, different places, different um, conditions. But I think the time, the time factor as well, the ability to be able to play in different time zones has, has probably helped them a lot more, being able to recover, get their preparation right and be able to make it a lot easier for them. So, um, but yeah, to be honest, what a transformation, you know, they were, in the early part of the competition, they were losing pretty convincingly and they're at the bottom part of the table. But now, you know, you've got two South African teams in that final series. Um, it's pretty scary, to be honest, as a, as a Kiwi fan. You know, they're dominating in the Northern Hemisphere, um, and then they play in that level of competition, and then they get to play uh, the Rugby Championship as well. I think that travel one's key. Being in the same time zone uh, has to have played a mm. massive, massive factor mm. in terms of their performances and you know, not having to be on the road for five or six weeks away from home. All those sorts of little things being, you know, in your own bed more often than not, um, you know, does set you up for success because, you know, the old adage, if, if a player's got everything sorted off the field, normally they're nailing it on. Um, and, and that would be, 
um, a key factor if there was a study of some sort that went into it, no doubt. Blues, Crusaders, <laughs> final this weekend. On the line, James Parsons, who wins and why? Um, look, I think Blues 1-12, to 12, um, and purely because I, I do think home advantage is massive. Is this going to change before kickoff? We've seen that this season. No, in the no, no, show. no, 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 it won't. It won't. <laughs> okay, okay. And Bryn, for you, you know, you've obviously got a long string of finals underneath you. You know what you're doing. Where do you see the Blues if they have a chance against you doing their thing? I think you, you mentioned it earlier, but let's sum it up quickly so people know what you're looking out for. Oh, it's just not just a chance for us. I don't think it's just a chance. They're, um, they've got a reason be you know there they've got a home final so um no look i think the points that i brought up um you know they're a hot they're on a hot streak at the moment they're confident you know and so they should be i don't know how many games it's been what's the defend how much have they won in a row Jip? 14 14 in a row and so you know whenever you can have that kind of confidence and you know get those kind of wins they've done it in all different ways as well you know close big margins um tight games winning in the last second um so yeah, like I said, the points that I talked around, if they can get that right, um, it's going to be a really hard, hard night for us. And um, look, we're we're expecting a, a really, uh, really fired up Blues team. You know, we know how important it is going to be to be able to play at Eden Park. I know their fans would have been wanting that for, for a long time. And to be able to play us, the old foe, um, they'll be seeing it as a great opportunity. And we, we can't wait as well. It's an awesome chance to be able to go up uh, to Eden Park. It's a great stadium, a lot of history. Um, and a Blues-Crusaders rivalry. Um, it doesn't get much better than that. What day this week do you start fizzing? I fizzed at... Once the, <laughs> I started fizzing when the, when the final whistle went. For the home game. Um, no, I think, um, I think Jip said it's, it's important to be able to get your week right. Um, and we're fortunate enough that we've... A lot of us have been in those final situations, have a pretty good plan around that. So um, you just slowly build through the week, um, Ross. Get everything that you need to get sorted, your preparation-wise, and... So you can give yourself the best chance to go out on the weekend and, and perform in the final. Get your feet on the grass at Eden Park, and then get into it. What do, are, are you a no, headphones guy? Looking. What do you do when you walk out on the field pre-game? Yeah, I'm a headphones guy. I'm a headphones guy. I usually have a, uh, a couple of tricks that I like um, listening to on the field, but um, you just try to soak it all in. And I think it's important to, I guess, just take in that moment to be, to be that you are in a final. You know, a lot of other teams aren't. You know, if you, when you start at the start of the year, there's a lot of teams that have goals and aspirations to be there, but to be able to be there and to be able to soak that all up, that's what I try and do, especially in these kind of weeks. Um, it's enjoying the experience and um, really taking in what um, what a great achievement it is. And um, more so, you know, us going up to Auckland um, at Eden Park is a great opportunity for us as players to be able to go up there. The great Jonah Lomu, uh, may rest in peace, had a CD, didn't he? you know, of the songs that he used to listen to before he went out to play. Um, is there a Bryn Hall Spotify playlist that we should be getting into? And if so, what's on it? Oh, mate, I'll be judged too much if I get that out there. I'll be laughed at. I should listen to a lot of WWE-themed songs, um, um, Ross. Yes. And I actually uh, listen to my music, so... Who is uh, it? Stone Cold Steve Austin, Evan Edge. His one goes pretty good at the moment. Uh, the Rock. The Rock goes pretty good. Um... Yeah, so those are a few different ones that I listen to other than like Lee Matthews and a bit of Skrillex. So a bit of everything, Ross. A bit of, bit of Sandman as well, actually. Actually, on what before I finish, Sandman. Yeah. Um, so so that's hype stuff right there. 
Yeah, I was next to him once, and I heard him listening to the Any Given Sunday speech. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I could just see as he walks around the tunnel and, like, the glass crashing from, you know, the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing before he comes out, and you, you time that as you enter the tunnel and then get up and charge on I in. do want to say, Ross, I do want to say that it has been done before, I must admit. It has been done. So walking out, you know, having that Stone Cold bang, the glass... The glass breaking and walking out um, on the field. It has been done before. And then, so. and then the beer well after. Yeah. Then, Wasn't yeah, he known right. for drinking beer? Yeah, yeah, getting up into the corner of the yeah, room. Not much of a wrestling fan, but all I know is that guy used to throw beer over himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasted beer yeah, in the yeah, most part, didn't yeah. he? Like, he, he wasn't a great uh, Bryn's drinker. Bryn's got that too, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you can't... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's a good reason to move on. I look yeah. forward to it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play that just as you come on out and get hyped. Get hyped alongside him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. Get a bit of a court on that one there, Ross, and uh, check it on the WhatsApp page, mate. <laughs> <laughs> good luck for the weekend, mate. I hope it all goes well. I'll say the same to you Thank because you. obviously there's a fairly <laughs> solid connection there. Um, may the best team win, and uh, you know. Hopefully we can um, see a nice celebration next week. Yeah, Go well, Brunner. Wish you all the best, even though Cheers, we man. joke on here. I do wish you well. Yeah, good luck, mate. Good Thanks, luck. Boys. Thank you very much. It should be a great game. Thanks, Bryn. Thanks, Jipper. Once again, Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you next week with a breakdown of the final and looking forward to the international series against Ireland. Matewa. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 